down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 182 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is always Adam Camilleri, and we're taking, we got a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of filler. Not so much filler, but we were supposed to, you know, I was really hoping I'd be able to review a balanced data slate and some points and some things like that. And it turns out that's, you know, almost definitely going to be next week or the week after or whatever. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm here doing a short one with one of my best mates, uh, Mr. Jerry Martina. Thanks for joining us, brother. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me nonetheless. And we're actually, I'm going to be completing my review of the Leviathan, Leviathan GT pack, which uh, I did a couple of months ago, reviewed the, uh, the missions and all the mission options and the bonus rules and stuff like that. We didn't do the secondaries, and I've kind of kept that review in my back pocket for just this kind of case. Um, I never want to miss an episode. I never want to not give you guys the content, especially the people in the Patreon who've, who've paid for it, signed up for it, expected and deserve it. And so uh, we're going to be reviewing each and every one of the secondaries um, that we have in the Leviathan GT pack. We're going to be talking about them from a high level, what is good about them, what is bad about them, and should there be a new GT pack, does this secondary need to be um, buffed, nerfed, rewritten, or removed? And uh, we're both going to be giving a hot take on each one as we go. And of course, we're weighing it up from a tactical and a, and a fixed perspective. Um, but Jeremy... Yeah, you got some affiliations, especially with Team Australia. Anything you'd like to plug or mention? Um, not really, Adam. I've got an event coming up um, early next month, so early February, uh, 17th and 18th of February in Melbourne, the Masquerade 7. So if anyone's a local, um, find us. You can find. You can just sign up. Um, you can find the player pack on the BCP event for Masquerade 7. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Fan freaking time. I'm keen to be here. I'm absolutely, I'm actually keen to be here. I'm keen to be there as well because I'll be playing in that event uh, if I'm at all able. Uh, but mate, let us jump in and review these secondaries. Firstly, we've had a lot of different versions of the secondary structure over the past kind of three or four iterations of the game. I mean, sixth edition, the Maelstrom cards very first came in. We saw, we've seen some cards in the game, some cards out of the game. We played RTC missions, WTC missions, and everything in between. How do you sit with this version of secondaries? And we have the option to play fixed, play tactical, and they're you know, different points for each one. How do you like this system, and how do you feel like it is when you weigh it up against previous? Um, I think the game's in a really good spot at the moment, to be honest. Um, and I think it, a lot of people have had a bit of burnout recently. I've spoken to a lot of people that feel there's some burnout with 10th. But I, to be honest, criticisms that I have of 10th are not related so much to the missions. I think um, a lot of the burnout's more to do with uh, the way in which kind of the, the faction releases happen, and we've got a lot of or, or there's been at least recently a lack of diversity in armies where um, a lot of armies are just kind of using similar mechanics, um, things like devastating wounds and, and mass lethal hits and things like that to overcome units. And that's a lot of people have a criticism with the kind of um, compression of rules rather than uh, the missions. So I actually think the missions are in a pretty good spot. Um, mm. Personally, my favourite that I've played in recent years was the um, the ETC missions in a the end of 8th edition. I thought they yeah, were really good. Um, yeah. And I think, to be honest, these missions actually remind me a little bit of those. Um, so, yep. you know, when we when you talk about, because just for those people listening that don't weren't around for that or, or might not have remembered, um, basically the, the old ETC missions mixed three types of scoring. So you had your, uh, your progressive kind of cards, like tactical cards, like the Maelstrom cards that we have now. Um, you also had kill points. So any unit that died in its entirety scored a point. 
And you also had end-of-game objective scoring. So who scored, who kind of held the map at the end of the game. And to be honest, that kind of like essence is reflected in modern missions where we have we have our cards, um, we have our, um, of course, like we don't have the kill points as such, but we do have that kind of the, the, the objectives being scored progressively. And then at the yeah. end of the, the game, it kind of matters as well because we do have that kind of the, the mission mm. scoring all the way to the end. Well, I, I 100% agree. I really love... Like so, I, th- I thought the complexity of those missions you're describing at the at the ETC level were like maybe 15 percent too much book, you know, um, bookmarking and and administration to keep everything up and down because there were so many moving parts. Um, but what I loved is that you could play an army that focused on one portion of that scoring. You could you could focus on an army that played Maelstrom really good, but if you played Maelstrom really good, most of the times that meant you gave up kill points because you know you'd be an MSU kind of quick army. Um, and of course, that would be playing the secondary cards as we as we played or t- playing tactical as we would call it now. And so there's kind of this yin and yang, this balance to be had. And then there was always the last, like the turn five, turn six scramble to get the points at the end if you had enough models. And I always used to, I used to really love that depth to things and you could really focus on with what your army was going to be good at. Uh, with these, I think you're absolutely right. They do echo that definitely to some degree. Um, I would love a little bit more end game um, but I do love how because because right now it just feels like progressive is everything, and while that is good and that's what GW obviously wants, they want us doing things all game every game. Because you remember how it was at like you know fifth edition, you you do pretty much nothing for four turns, and then you'd start positioning, start positioning, and turn five you'd scramble to see, if, and then hopefully the game ended if you had the upper hand, and then if you scrambled too early and the game didn't end, you got blown up, and your opponent took the objectives in turn six, and that, that used to happen all the time. It was like the only the, the back yeah. end of the game end of the game mattered. Um, whereas now we have like five really kind of dynamic turns of the game. But then, you know, that gets pulled apart by just kind of how lethal things can get uh, in 10th edition. I do, I, I, um, when you're talking about the burnout, were you talking about the difference between, like, a, a lot of people are talking, uh, are, in pe- people I've talked to, reference how it felt like 8th and 9th edition was like an open world RPG. It was like Grand Theft Auto. You could go anywhere. You could, you know, take any car. You could, you know, drive down any street. You could find whatever path you wanted to to, to play with the game. Whereas 10th edition feels very siloed. Like here's here's the, uh, yeah. here's the here's the part of the game you get to play with until you get the DLC of your codex, <laughs> you know. Here's the index, and you got a DLC the codex, and then you get to play with different bits of it, but not all of it at the same time, just one bit at a time. Um, and it feels very very different, very design different. Is that a good analogy in your mind? Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Um, and I think you're, you're right. I think, for example, you know, in previous editions, like recent editions, like Eighth and Ninth when you could join, well, well, characters didn't join units, but you could kind of decide the, the synergies you wanted in a very open way. Um, and then yeah. it even got even broader than that in being able to mix armies, being able to ally armies, able to have an army of Imperial Guard with, you know, some Space Marines or Sisters or, you know, have some different Necron dynasties or whatever it might be. Can't do that anymore. Um, and not only can you not do that, you kind of a the game kind of tells you the way you should play it. Like you put this character in this unit and then that character gives this unit, you know, lethal hits. Yeah. And yeah. so they're, they're kind of telling you what to do. And um, often the things that are the most dynamic and interesting is the when is when you're playing the game that you, the way that GW kind of overlooked or didn't want you to do. So when you're doing something that's a bit unintended, that's when it seems to be the most fun, which is, I think, a, a probably not a great thing. You should be able to play within the intended boundaries yeah. and it still yeah. be really interesting and creative i agree and what, what you're describing i don't necessarily think is a bad thing in fact it's probably a very good thing for making the game more accessible more open for new players and more you know uh easily easily able to get up and going at the, at the competitive level or, or the event level which is definitely something they probably thought about um so i do definitely think 10th edition is a is a great way to get into wargaming 
Like if you were if you were to just start at any at any forty k edition as, as your very first edition, and then you know go and play uh, eight, and even go backwards, you play tenth edition into ninth edition into eighth edition into seventh sixth. Like this would be the perfect place to start to get to get into the game to learn how to play, and hopefully that means that you know we're getting it's going to be pushing boundaries further down. But even that, I don't think it's a bad way to play. I think, like you said, the game's in a very good place. It's still pretty interesting and exciting. Yeah, great. And I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, as much as veteran players might think, oh, it's, you know, the game could go this way. We could do this to make it more complicated or more interesting. We also need to be attracting the large player base. And yeah, people, you know, you need to make sure the game is accessible. And I agree with you. I think it's in a very accessible place at the moment. A lot of things just make sense. When you explain something to someone, it just makes sense. And if they know a rule, they, they might ask, you know, do you have scout in your army? And you say, yeah, this this unit has scout. You know, the, the, the universality of the rules is very interesting, but also it allows people to understand what's going on on a more broad level. Yeah. And stuff stuff like that we experience, especially in 6th and 7th edition, just can't happen anymore. Like, I remember you walking up to a game with me. It was a practice game. And I just brought some some random stuff. And I think the first, like, because we, we knew each other okay then. We didn't know each other a, a lot. And you pretty much explained to me how I couldn't win the game before we even started rolling the dice. Because it was just like a... We oh, that, sound, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. It was your Barkstar versus... I had, the, I had my... The, the, the list I ended up taking to the CanCon, the Killclade, and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I have to, like tank shock you perfectly and you have to let me for me to like maybe score some points <laughs> that was that was the outcome that i was going to get from that game and that just doesn't happen anymore there's no there's no way you walk up to the table and you just be like uh, i'm sorry man i don't think you should play this game it's going to be it's you're going to enjoy your day worse if you try and play my arm play play against me and that was definitely something that happened in sixth and seventh edition which i very rarely happened. yeah, you, yeah anyway. and the thing is is these days no you're right we have a um you know due to just the the I guess the, as you said, like the game growing, a bigger presence on um, the you know social media, YouTube, all types of kind of um, different platforms, Twitch TV, people watching streams and stuff, and obviously mm-hmm. you're you're largely responsible for, for escalating that part of the game. But just the general skill set of people is also getting better. Like the average absolutely. player is a lot yeah. better now than they were five years ago. Hundred percent, and that means that absolutely not just because of the rules, but you turn up to a game, you, you don't recognize someone, they might be new to the tournament scene. That doesn't mean you're going to just win that game because Absolutely, ultimately yeah. it is a dice game. But yeah, people can have a cool combo. Often you learn some of the most interesting things from people that have just looked at the, the game in a new way. Um, yeah, and exactly and right. showed you the way something can work. So yeah, it's absolutely a very uh, it, the ceiling of of um, or the limitations in terms of new play experience have definitely been um, taken away a lot lately. All right, let us jump into the meat and potatoes of this review. So we are going through the Leviathan mission uh, secondaries. Uh, we're going to, of course, read them out one by one. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell you guys what we think, etc., etc. Uh, there will be a part two of this podcast, of course. If you forgot to do it at the start, um, you can come over and join Jeremy and I. Probably cont- continuing a bit of this conversation as we're having right now. The design philosophies of tenth edition, what we like, what we don't like, what we are loving to see, and what we're really looking forward to. Uh, but the first secondary we're going to read out is no prisoners. Uh, whilst the secondary mission is active, each time an enemy unit is destroyed, you score two VP up to a maximum of five. Note that VP scored. Each even if such a unit is uh, destroyed and then subsequently returned uh, for any reason, if you score any VP on the secondary mission during a turn, then at the end of this turn, it is achieved. So you can't like, you know, score two on it and then be like, well, I know I'm going to get way more when all his reserves have to arrive on turn three, so I'm not going to score it now. If you score it, you score it regardless. Uh, do you like no, no prisoners and no, a no prisoner style of, you know, secondary has been in the game uh, forever, for as long as I can remember, mate. Is this a good version of it? Uh, I think it's a good version. Um, 
I mean, it's obviously a card sometimes if you draw it on turn one, um, it can be hard to score because your opponent's off, off, often hiding. So if, you, if you're going first and you draw this card, it might not be great to draw turn one. Um, but outside of the, that kind of pretty niche scenario, it's often a card you like drawing. I would personally like to see it, for example, it, it max at six instead of five, just, you yeah, know, same. two points, two points, two points. I think, like, I don't, I don't know whether it necessarily needs to be that punitive in, in making that third kill only give one point. Um, so I would definitely like to see it, um, you know, be kind of go up to six. I don't think that's yeah. a bad thing. I also think this could be a, a potential fixed secondary. Um, it's something we can obviously talk about later in your Patreon exclusive section, but um, I do feel like one issue with the game at the moment is the tension between tactical and fixed. Um, and I do think that some of the fixed objectives are too good, but there's also yeah. not enough to pick. So I feel like it would be interesting if something like this in a, in, a, in a slightly different form could become a fixed objective, which would mean that in certain situations you could pick it and just try to kill your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, 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 totally agree. And I think I, it's, I'm of the opinion it should be. It should be like I. I think that every every secondary mission should be written to be fixed as well as tactical. Um, why they decided not to? Yeah, much of the muchness. Um, second one is, sorry, is uh, secure no man's land. At the end of the turn, if you control two or more objective markers in no man's land, this secondary mission is achieved for five victory points. At the end of your turn, you control only one objective marker in no man's land. It's achieved for two victory points instead of five. Um, I love this. I love the secondary. This is one. Of, this is one of my favorites because it tells me and, and it encourages me to do what I should already be wanting to do every turn: dominate the middle of the board, dominate, dominate the midboard objectives. How do you feel, mate? Yeah, I like it. I think it's a, it's an interesting secondary. Um, it's asking you to do something that sometimes is difficult, but that you're getting a good reward for doing it. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's very rarely impossible to do. Um, yeah. So I think it's just good, as you said. It, it, it encourages map control. It encourages you to move out. Um, and you can sometimes do it with minimal resource you know, expenditure. Just put a, a 1OC or 2OC, like a Rhino or a Lone Op or something to, to help you get the points. And I like that it can be scored just for the two if you, if you can only score it with one. Uh, with one unit. So overall, I, I think it's a good secondary and it's typically pretty achievable. So it's when you draw it, you're very often happy that you draw it. Yeah. I, I, and I do believe, um, I, I agree with your change to no prisons, by the way. I, I think it should go up to six and it should be a fixed, there should be a fixed option there. Um, I, I, I'm very happy for No Man's Land to be completely unchanged. Uh, I think that should just be a perpetual, like every every secondary mission deck for the rest of this edition. This is a great, a great secondary. Um, so, uh, capture enemy outpost is up next. At the end of your turn, if you control one or more objective markers in your opponent's deployment zone, this objective marker is achieved. Sorry, this secondary is achieved, and you score eight victory points, mate. How do you feel about that? Uh, I like this. I, I don't feel good when I draw the card. Um, you know, in the sense, it's it's a hard card to score, and often it's a, it's a card that you can't score. But I like the fact that it's in the game. Um, I like that, that, that the deck does have a couple of cards that are kind of blanks in a way in that you mm -hmm. score them and you draw them and they're not great. But if you can score them and you can build your army to score them, you get rewarded. So yeah. I think that as much as people might think this is a shitty secondary and, you know, it shouldn't be in the game, I think it's important for a, a deck of cards like this to have some hard cards. And this kind of card is the exact card that's needed. Um, the only thing I would personally change is that it can be cycled on turn one, that it's like the... Um, yes. Yeah, and we can talk about this later, but if you're going to have that caveat on cards that it can't be scored turn one, I think this card should be one of the cards that has that. What? I mean, apart from like a a night spinner popping a unit on an objective in a Yin Khan going over there and take, uh, like, uh, taking it, like, how, when someone 
I'd love it in the chat or in the Discord or in whatever. Someone tell me and describe to me an army that can do this turn one. Like, I just don't know of it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the biggest example, yeah. from what I know of, from my, my understanding, is the armies that have like scouting or, or you know, um, forward deploy. So, yeah. you know, uh, ultramarines that forward deploy, or, um, for example, Dean with his um, world eaters that scout forward. Yep. Yep. So, armies that can move really quickly and scout and just beeline straight for the objective sometimes can score it. So, that's interesting. Um, but it, yeah, for typically, fair. most people don't can't score at turn one. And to to your point, if if it became a, a thing where everyone everyone could, the over, overwhelming majority of the things you describe probably needed a, to what declare declare and execute a charge for that to occur to get on that objective. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, so people just don't deploy on the objective then. If everyone starts stacking there, and then then you can't do it turn one anyway. <laughs> so it's like there is a yeah, that's a good point. Turn, turn one it needs to have the caveat here. Apart from that, I'm happy it's in the deck, but. I mean, this 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 just reads to me. If you are winning, you win lots more. <laughs> like it is a win more card. But I'm happy it's in the game. Um, defend strongholds up next at the end of your opponent's turn or at the end of the battle, whichever one comes first. If you control one or more objective markers in your own deployment zone, uh, the secondary is achieved and you score three VP. The secondary mission cannot be achieved during the first battle round. If you draw this secondary mission card during your first battle round, uh, draw a new one immediately. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, so this is, to me, a lot of the time, this is free points. Like, as much as the other one was a win more, this one is just, like, steady the ship kind of a, a card. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's, it's a, probably one of the least interesting cards um, in that you really want to be defending your home objective anyway, in the sense it's your, uh, it's, it's an objective that's your, typically the easiest to control. Uh, obviously, some games it doesn't score, and in those, in those missions, it adds a level of... Um, you know, you need to be doing something you wouldn't normally be doing necessarily. Yeah. But for the most part, your home objective is one you need to be holding. Um, so adding this secondary, as you said, it's almost just three free points because most yeah. people are going to be really protecting it. Also to kind of protect if the opponent scores the previous card we looked at, Capture Enemy Outpost, no one wants to give that to their opponent for free either. So yeah. normally when you draw this card, you're kind of happy. Although sometimes late game, when the game gets really scrappy and people kind of have units all around the table, maybe this becomes a card that's hard to, to keep, to hard to, to mm. score. So I think it's fine, um, and it's a good mirror to capture any outpost. So I think it's fine that it's in the game, and um, yeah. I like that it scores at the end of your opponent's turn. It gives them a chance to deny you the points, which Correct. is good. That's the best thing about it. But in, in, in saying that, I would still be very happy if this card got deleted and something more interesting and interactive was added in its place, despite it being the yin and yang of, of the previous one. Um, yeah, that's right. fair. Overwhelming forces up next. While the secondary mission is active, each time an objective, uh, so an enemy unit that started this turn uh, within range of an objective marker is destroyed, throw a score of three victory points up to a maximum of five. Note that VP is scored even if such a unit is destroyed and subsequently rejected. Blah 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 blah. If you score any VP from the secondary mission, you must achieve it. You don't get the chance to, to like I said, tick up on the next turn and get more points. Um, this is a very good one as well, right? Because this is just pretty much informing what you want to do turn by turn. But is it the right T's and C's or terms and conditions? Yeah, I like it. I think it's a, a card that is incentivizing you to do things that you you know you should already be wanting to do, but um, it does sometimes get you to pivot your focus of off, off things. Like sometimes you might just want to out OC someone on an objective. Um, this, but this actually makes you want to kill the unit. Uh, so I think it's it's a fine card. I don't think it's there's anything particularly egregious or, or weird about it. Um, but it is a little, if anything, a little bit bland for the, for what you said in your in, yeah. in terms of it just being playing into what you would normally be doing. Um, so it's not necessarily kind of getting you to do something that requires a bit of extra thought or strategy. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, I do also think this this if there was I would I wouldn't mind seeing this be one that became uh, fixed because this isn't one that's fixed. Yeah, yeah. You have to have, has to have a little icon at the bottom left to be fixed. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's not it's yeah. not a fixed one. Um, yeah, it could could be for sure. Um, all right, area denial is up next. At the end of your turn, if one or more units from your army, excluding battleshock units, are wholly within six of the center of the battlefield, and there are no enemy units within six of the center of the battlefield, the secondary breaking unit is, is achieved, and you score five victory points. If at the end of the turn there are one or more enemy units wholly within six, and, and but there are no enemy units within three of the center of the battlefield, it's still scored. You get three VP instead of five. This is another mission. Uh, sorry, uh, secondary that's been in the game for quite a long time, uh, and this is a definitely a, a different iteration of it. I actually think this one is too um, permissive. I, I'd rather see this one become a, a much more of an all or nothing, as in either you get uh, the full five or you get absolutely zero. But how do you feel about it? I agree. I think that that second caveat's just the amount of the amount of like arguments, or not so much arguments, but just heated discussions and TO calls I've seen about just people trying to work out what that second caveat yeah. kind of is specifically saying. Correct. I think it's a bit unnecessarily complicated. I agree. I think it could just be the five points or none. You yeah. either control the center or you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a it's a fine card. I like that it adds another dimension because. Normally, I mean, sometimes there is an objective in the center of the battlefield, but a lot of the times there isn't. And it, I like that it adds another dimension to the game sometimes. Um, so I think cards like this I, I like because they, they um, add that spice and color to the game where sometimes mm -hmm. if you just look at the kind of traditional primary game you're playing, it can be a bit boring where you just, you know, holding objectives, denying objectives. When you add extra kind of elements like a, a different part of the battlefield, so cards like this, cards like Engage in All Fronts, I think that's they're cards that are, are definitely interesting and positive. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, all right, Tempting Target is up next. When the secondary mission is, a card is drawn, your opponent must select one objective marker in No Man's Land. At the end of your turn, if you control the, the selected objective marker, you get five victory points. This might be my favorite card, by the way. This might be my favorite one. You draw the card, you look at your opponent, and you're like, which one's it going to be, mate? And then, of course, they're going to pick the turd sandwich, <laughs> and they're going to pick the hardest one for you to do. But if you do it, you feel amazing. You get you, you get a big dopamine hit as well as your five victory points. Do you agree? I like it. I agree. I think it's for the reason that it, in, your, your opponent's interacting with the card. I, I think it's really good. I think in some, I, I understand that GW have been a little bit, like maybe they're, they're using kind of predictable and, and easy numbers, like round numbers, like just, you know, three and five and stuff. But I think this card could just give six points. I think yep. it, it's fine that you've got a lot of cards just giving five or three, but the, this one I think could be a card that gives six. I think it's a hard card to score. Yep. Um, and often just because your opponent gets to choose where you're going, it means that, you know, if it, like they, they are manipulating the way you're, you're moving models around. So I do feel like this could give more than just the five points. So I wouldn't mind seeing this go up to six points if they change it. This one is uh, also one, and I'm, I mean, I'm only saying this because this is a lose harder uh, one. If you are losing, if you have lost dominance in the middle of the table or you've lost agency and they just pick the worst possible one and it's literally impossible for you to get, like you don't have a unit that can even move far enough with a, with a charge, with an advance, with an everything. Do you think you should be able to cycle this one? Like if it is physically impossible for you to get a unit to that objective, does your opponent have to choose one that is acceptable? I don't. I, I don't actually, think so. I, no, I, I, I think don't. you can argue it both ways. Yeah, I, I like that. It sometimes is just the card you can't get, yeah. um, and and it, it just means that you're going to need to have the capacity to to jump all around the battlefield. It kind of, in some ways, evokes from old tactical the maelstrom decks of old 
just when you used to draw cards that would tell you to capture an objective number, you know, objective yeah. number one or three or five. And sometimes you just couldn't get to that specific objective. Yeah. It's yeah. the same kind of premise where you're being asked to capture an objective that is hard for you because your opponent's picking it. Correct. Exactly right. I mean, I think there's a case to be made that um, you, maybe there's a second line here that says, you know, they pick two objectives in No Man's Land, one of them worth like two points or, or something. I don't know. But uh, I think... That I, could I, be I, interesting, like, yeah. Like I said, this is my literally my favorite objective and I would not want to see it change, but I have heard criticism of it. So I wanted to just voice those. Um, bring it down is next. And this is the first one that has a fixed option. Whilst the secondary mission is active, each time an enemy monster or vehicle model is destroyed, you score two victory points and an extra one victory point for each of the conditions below that are achieved or satisfied. Um, and all are culminative. So uh, the destroyed model has a wound characteristic of 10 or more. The destroyed model has a wound characteristic of 15 or more or 20 or more wounds. Note that the victory points are scored even if such a model is destroyed and then subsequently resurrected for any reason. If you score any victory points of this, you must you must achieve it. If you're using the tactical missions, uh, then when this secondary is achieved, you score an extra one victory point. However, if you are using the tactical mission, uh, you cannot score more than eight victory points in total from this secondary. So you can't score more than eight in the turn that you draw it if you draw it as tactical. How does this go as a fixed objective option? And, and is it a good one, do you think? I think it's great that it's in the game. I think it, it's important that it's in the game because it's obviously mm. something that evokes the previous edition and how we had those, you know, it, for those who remember, you know, remember in, in ninth when you had just fixed objectives, you just picked your secondaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was one that people would pick when their opponent had lots of monsters or vehicles. And it's the same kind of thing. If your opponent does have an army that's very monster or vehicle heavy, you will consider bring it down. And I think the fact that this secondary is, is in the fixed category, it affects the army design. And often players, and we've, we've spoken about this on podcasts before, you know, when you kind of you, you kind of look at your army and say, am I, do I have too many vehicles and monsters? Do yeah. I need to cut yeah. a rhino or cut a tank to make bring it down a little bit of a less attractive option? And the fact that it, it not only is a card that, is interesting to draw in the tactical objectives, but it's also plays into army design and it's a balancing mm. factor as well. I think it's a really interesting card. I, I actually really like the the values that it has. I, I actually wouldn't change it personally. Yeah, I wouldn't change it personally either. I think it's ex exactly correct. It's actually, more than anything, it's a balancing factor, uh, I believe. It's a balancing factor against the the stats check that can occur to people facing, especially knights uh, in the game of 40k. Uh, what I do find fascinating is that there is no horde equivalent for this. In many iterations, we've seen, I uh, score this, this many victory points for how many wounds you've killed or how many models you've destroyed. You know, regardless of the the amount of wounds they had, so usually there would be like a oh yeah, you brought unending swarm tyrannids. Well, here's a fixed objective, you know, for killing hordes. That would be the other side of the coin from bring it down. And it's very interesting that that ex this exists, but that doesn't exist, which makes me think that it is what, what I what I believe it is. And it's, it's just as much of a balancing factor as anything else. But what do you think about that statement? Yeah, I agree. And in the past, it would have been a card like No Prisoners would have been the Correct. equivalent. Yeah. Um, and I think you could rebalance no prisoners to be the equivalent in fixed. Um, yeah, so, you know, it could, for example, it could in fixed rather than give two points per unit killed, it could give, you know, in fixed like one point per um, 10 wounds killed or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it would be one it, point. It could per, just, yeah. Yeah. One point per unit killed. And then a modifier based on how many, mo how many models and or wounds there were in the unit. Yeah. That's excellent. Sorry, mate. Continue. Yeah, so I think that that could be something to consider just for the reasons you noted. And also because there are armies like Endless Swarm Tyranids and Necron Warrior Spam and specific types of lists that 
will make you chew through hundreds of models and you, yes. there's no real way to exploit that, which kind of feels yeah. a bit weird. 100%. I mean, and the Vecra Warriors have, have uh, you know, much decreased in application, but we have, we have a lot of codexes on the horizon. Orcs are coming soon, you know? 20 boys might yeah. be the bee's knees. We saw Crute. Crute can go to 20 mans, you know? A guard's going to come along at some point. You know, there's plenty of horde armies on the horizon that, that definitely could unbalance some things. Uh, next Absolutely. up is the, the worst, best secondary in the game, deploying tele deploy teleport homers. In your shooting phase, you can select one unit from your army that is not battle-shocked and is eligible to shoot. Until the end of your turn, that unit is not eligible to shoot or declare a charge. At the end of your turn, if that unit is within your opponent's deployment zone or within six of the center of the battlefield, it deploys a teleport homer. At that location, the second objective is achieved and you score a number of VP depending on which of the ones that you did. Uh, if it's the center of the battlefield, it's three victory points. If it's your opponent's deployment zone, it is four. If you're using a fixed uh, uh, missions or five victory points if you're using tactical. So if it's fixed, it's four VP for your opponent's deployment zone um, or five victory points if you're using this as a, a ripped it off the table or three either way in the middle of the board. Um, this is the this is the problem secondary. This is literally the problem secondary of the edition right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it, it's the problem secondary because it it on its most basic level, like a lot of people would look at this and go, "Okay, my model doesn't have to be wholly within six of the center. It just needs to be within six, and that's the yeah. unit." So you could have a unit of, say, you got a unit of scouts or a unit of, um, you know, flesh hounds, whatever it might be. They can just string back, but just have a model partially within six of the center right. and, and pop the action, right? Um, and not only is it super easy to score those 15 points because you just do it three uh, every turn for three points, but it has an upside that you can do it for four points. So often when you kind of plan this secondary as a fixed option, you think, well, I might do it three or four times for three, and then I might do it one or two times yeah. for yeah. four. So I'll probably score around 16 or 17 points out of 20, which is – Really good for a secondary that's quite easy to do. Um, so, so personally, yeah. sorry, go on, mate. No, no, you go, you go, mate. I was just going to say, I think my solution, um, and I'm, I'm actually really interested to hear what your ideas are as well. My solution would be to just change it from, I think that in your opponent's deployment zone side of things is fine. I think four, yeah. four for fixed and five for tactical. Agreed. But I think if you do it in the center, I think it should be something like having a, a, a unit Either whole the unit needs to be wholly within six, or yeah, I would actually make it the unit needs to be within three. So rather than wholly within Ooh. six, I just go change it to within three of the center. Um, yep. Make it harder. Yep. Like that, that caveat, it means that you're much less likely to be able to hide behind terrain and do it. Like a lot of armies have little loan ops or little units they can just hide behind yep. a central piece of terrain, do homers without even being visible. So they just keep doing it. Yep. Whereas if you make it a bit harder to do, like within three, they're more likely to have to pop out and make themselves visible. And it means Correct. that terrain packs can play around this by that they can just make it so that, you know, central pieces of terrain are outside of three of the center. So they won't yep. screen. Because, so, because, yeah, I think uh, it's just too easy. Yeah, 100% is too easy. Um, and, and expanding upon that, forcing TOs right now to have all terrain pieces outside of six of the center of the table just leaves one of the most egregious firing lanes you could ever possibly put in a game of 40k. So people can't really do that and maintain some kind of balance but balance between shooting armies and oppressive shooting armies and not. Um, so they have to do it, which means they activate people just auto doing teleport homers. Um, so 100% agree with you. Has to Has to be... Um, I think most likely what will happen is wholly within six. Um, 
within three is kind of is is I think better than Holy within six. Um, because the, the biggest issue is you you should have to give up the unit. If you are gonna do this and have this fixed secondary, you should have to have some fear of losing the unit in the exchange. And cool, if I'm gonna give up if you if you're gonna build an army that gives up five units for five turns to get the the three points. I'm kind of okay with that. I, I can live with that. Um, you know, if that certain armies custodies, that's your whole army. You can't you know? You know, it's not going to happen. Um, whereas people just having like the one loan up, um, just doing it for four turns of the game or whatnot, or you know, inceptors doing it for two turns because they can or whatnot. Or there's all sorts of jank ways to do this, and it's far too good. I would, if I would actually be advocating if they don't want to change anything, take this away from the fixed options. Don't let it be fixed anymore. Just delete that bit. You know. Give us some different ones. That are yeah. fixed. Maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's actually yeah, potentially. Plan. Every six months, they I change. I mean, another, another old way of dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest problem of, of it as well, though, is people getting really cheap small units and doing it with, Correct. you know, three Nurglings or with a Calidus Assassin or something. Dude, I we're think not even, um, we're not, we're this... not even talking about the worst one, the single Biovore to auto-max <laughs> auto uh, deploy teleport by shooting a single Spore Mine. Every turn, and that that doesn't go into the middle of the table. That goes in your deployment zone because there's so few armies that can screen out a deployment zone from a single freaking twenty five mil base. Yeah. Uh, so that one, that is a reason I don't want it to be a fixed objective because it just means that some armies get an auto max secondary, uh, just just because they haven't they have a bivore in their army. Yeah. Yeah, I mean another way to do it is just to change it back to the initial way it was on the original set of cards when it was two points for fixed. Um, yeah, and, and then it, it wasn't yeah. really anywhere near as good. I mean that that that's a way to balance it. But um, I mean, there's a lot of different levers they can pull with it. But I do think whatever whatever you know changes they make, the current version is too strong and a bit boring. So I agree with you. And that, that's exactly right. That's the biggest issue. Um, it, the the secondaries that I want to be fixed options to me should all prioritize interaction, being interactive. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Ex extend battle lines. At the end of your turn, if you control one or more objective markers in your own deployment zone and one or more uh, objective markers in no man's land, you score this objective for five victory points. If you only have one unit in your army, then it's achieved if you control an objective marker in the middle of the t in no man's land and you get two victory points instead of five. I think this is a perfectly structured secondary and I'd like to see this continue in exactly the same manner Moving forward, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the easier ones. It's and and that's the thing. I think at the end of the day, it's okay for the deck to have easy and hard cards. Yeah. Um. It's it. Not every card needs to be perfectly balanced in their difficulty level. Um. Otherwise, you'll just end up with very like it. it you know, very. very uh, well, there's no point at that point really of playing of using yeah. it. It's okay to have a deck where there's some easy draws, some hard draws, as right. long as both people obviously playing with the same deck. Um. So I agree that this is a card that very it's very rare that you draw this card and can't score it. So it's normally a card you draw and you're happy you draw it, but you do have to put yourself out there a little bit. And sometimes as the game goes on, it's hard to score. I watched a game on stream yesterday, actually. The opponent drew this in turn five and couldn't score it. Um, wow. So yeah. And it cost them the game. So it, it does matter. You know, these things matter. Excellent. Uh, and I totally agree. And, of course, I mean, 16 cards. You're gonna have some killers. You're gonna have some fillers, and uh, we want to get rid of any of the the non the nothing burgers, the ones that that don't actually add anything to the game. Um, all right, investigate signals in your shooting phase. You can select one or more units from your army that are not on the battle that are not battle shocked and are eligible to shoot until the end of your turn. The units you selected are not eligible to shoot or declare a charge. And at the end of your turn, each uh, each corner of the battlefield that has one or more of the selected units wholly within nine of it uh, is scanned by your army. Uh, if one or more corners are scanned. 
the secondary is scored for two VP and each corner scanned by your army this turn. So two VP for each corner of the battlefield that you scan up to eight, eight victory points, obviously, because there's four corners um, and doesn't cap it at any points. This is a really interesting one. I like this a lot because it's so... Uh, unintuitive to do. And in all honesty, I've got to tell you, on most of the tables that I play on, especially WTC ones um, and some of the um, 40K, sorry, the GW ones, the corners of the battlefield are the most exposed positions of the table. They are the most easily, like you are going to get probably blown up if your opponent wants to kill you positions of the table. And there's never an objective in the corner of the table. So most likely you are giving up primary to go and get this. So you really need to like really manage your resources in doing this. Most of the time, I get two points from this one. I, I refuse to overcommit, unless it's very easy for me to do, like I can deep strike three inceptors. In, in, in but a lot of the time, um, three inceptors are worth more than two victory points to me. So giving if, if I know that they're going to die the next turn, I usually don't do it. I'll just usually take two points out of this. How do you feel? I mean, it's it's a, I've got mixed feelings. I do like the card because it, it kind of ties in with the philosophy I mentioned earlier that it, it's, it's asking you to do something slightly yeah. different from what you're already doing. Because as you said, you very rarely need to or want to be in the corners because the corners are exposed and then normally don't have objectives within nine of the, well, almost always there's no objectives within nine of the uh, of the corner. So it it's something that is interesting and it's asking you to move away from objectives to go into the corner and it's kind of rewarding you for it. And a lot of the time, and this happens at high levels, you play games and your opponent kind of tells you, like just deploying this unit of Kalthus or just deploying these Nurglings or this sister's unit, Within its move, it's within fifteen, wholly within fifteen. Yeah. Yep. So if if I draw the card, I can move six and be within wholly within nine. So you tell your opponent when you deploy the unit where it is. So you there's no argument about whether it can get home as uh, it can get yep. signals when you draw it. Um. So I think the card's good. I do think the reward's pretty solid in that if you score it for three or four corners, that feels pretty good when you score it for three sometimes. Yep. Um. But it does tend to reward, and this is something that the, the uh, action secondaries do, they tend to reward armies that have MSU. So, like, think yeah. about an army like Tyranids or Sisters. Don't They love drawing this card, but then you look at an army like, you know, Imperial Knights or something that's a bit more elite, Custodies. Custodies hates drawing this card. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is something that I feel, yeah, maybe it could be, it could be changed slightly to be, you know, um, I don't. I don't know actually. But like, rather than rather than score two two four six eight, it could sp- score just like two four, um, and then an extra point for the last two quarters. I'm not sure, so, but it's just a little bit punishing at the moment for elite it's, armies. To me, it's um, and the next the next the next one is engagement fronts. To me, this is engagement fronts with like hurdles, uh, a, a pit full of spikes. And some poisonous snakes to negotiate before I get the points. Whereas engage all fronts is like is very simply cross the, uh, negotiate the crosshair and you're good. Um, and usually engage all fronts can be done whilst taking the objective, whilst removing models. This is I am turning away from everything else that I would logically want to do in the game to get these points. And uh, yeah, some armies get to do that because they just have by dint of just the numerosity they bring to the table. And your others is just like this is gay kept. So I do love it though because it is interesting because it is different. Um, all right, engaged all yeah, next. Great. Like I said, at the end of your turn, if you have one or more qualifying units, see below, uh, from your army wholly within three or more different table quarters, and those units are more than three away from any other table quarters, like that crosshair through the middle of the table, like I said, uh, this secondary mission is achieved and you score four victory points. If you have qualifying units in, um, 
units in four different table quarters, like I said, four points, or 250 points if you're in three table quarters. Uh, while a unit is Battleshocked, it is not a qualifying unit. If when you draw the secondary mission card, you only have one or two qualifying units remaining in your army, you can discard the secondary mission card and draw another one. If you are using the tactical missions, then when this secondary is achieved, you score one VP, so that will be three or five for three quarters or and or four quarters. Um, we've had engaged in all fronts in the game since, I think, uh, is it 8th edition? We've had engaged in all fronts? Um, it's been a while, you, yeah, for sure. Yeah, how do you feel about this one, this iteration? I mean, I think it's a good card in that it, it isn't just telling you to do something that you necessarily would already be doing. You're not always, always going for three quarters, especially not with the caveat of being kind of in the quarter, like that, there's that you need to be that three inches additionally deep. Um, yeah. So I think it's sometimes something you don't want to do. And I think a card that gets you to do something you don't want to do is typically interesting. It escalates the game. It's, it's, yep. It forces resource management because you have to work out how am I going to do this as cheaply as possible without losing too much on the backswing. So I think it's a good card. It's well-balanced, um, especially in the, in the tactical form. I think tactical is good. But then from the perspective of fixed, I think it's a bit boring. I think yeah. – as you said earlier, you can combo this card with things like teleport homers, um, things like behind enemy lines, and you end up scoring the same objective with the set with one unit. You know, you have one unit that's doing homers and scoring a, a, a quarter for engage. And that's yep. kind of, I think, a little bit um, unintuitive and a bit boring. So I do think that it, as far as its fixed options go, it's, it, it kind of is a little bit too similar to some of the others. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, all right, moving on to cleanse. Uh, in your shooting phase, you can select one or more units from your army that are not battleshocked and are eligible to shoot uh, until the end of your turn. Units uh, you select are eligible, to, uh, not eligible to shoot or declare a charge, whatever. I should just say units that can do an action because that's what that should be called. At the end of your turn, each objective marker that is not within your deployment zone that you control, that is one or more of the units that you know didn't do anything uh, on it, is cleansed by your army. If one or more objective markers are cleansed by your army this turn, this secondary mission is achieved and you score a number of VP depending on the number of objectives you cleanse. One victory point will score you two if you're using fixed or three if you rip this uh, card for tactical. Two or more is four or five, depending. So cleansing two gets you the max points possible. Uh, I, I personally quite like cleanse. It means you're, you're putting a unit on an objective, usually in an exposed or risky position, that's committed to not doing anything a la they're giving up uh, their ability to defend their position in the middle of the board. Um, uh, in exchange for points. So I generally like cleanse and I liked it as a, as a fixed option. Uh, but once again, it is the one that I like the most but uh, of the ones that are not interactive, if that was a, an easy way to say that. Um, what do you think, mate? I agree totally. I think it's, I like that there's a cost to it. Unlike a card yeah. like Extend Battle Lines where you just, you just jump on the objective. Exactly. This actually yeah. makes you do something. And I just think that that is cool. And it, it forces you to consider in your army, can I have some fast action monkeys in my army that can jump to objectives without advancing uh, because once they advance, they become ineligible to shoot unless, of course, they have assault weapons. So mm. it, it makes you think about that in your artless creation. You know, do I have a unit of fast troops that can that can jump out and cleanse an objective yeah. while being eligible to do an action and I'm not too worried about losing their shooting? So it, 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 it kind of informs army creation, which I think is cool, and I definitely agree with you. I think it's one of the better ones that, you know, of, of that bunch of few that require a condition. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next up is Assassinate. Uh, if you are using fixed objectives, then while this secondary mission is active, each time an enemy character model is destroyed, you score 450 points. If you're using this tactically, 
Uh, then at the end of your turn, um, if if either of the conditions below are met, you get five victory points. One or any character units are destroyed uh, during that turn. All character units from your opponent's army have been destroyed in this battle. Uh, note, if you're using the tactical objectives, this secondary mission is achieved even if such a unit was destroyed and then subsequently resurrected. So a Celestine or a Chronomancer, or sorry, or, or you know, a cryptic of some variety, anything that, that dies and gets back up, which is quite a few. You know, Fugin does that, you know, the Phoenix Gem. There's quite a few things people are incentivized to take in the game at the moment that it's on a character that dies and gets back up. They'll still score you assassinate. Um, we've always, uh, I think forever, this is what, um, you know, Slay the Warlord um, has turned into. It's turned into this card in this mission pack. Um, how do you feel about Assassinate's T's and C's? Yeah, I think it's a good card. I think similar to something like Bring It Down, it's important that it's in the game. Yeah. Um, from just a balanced perspective, it means that if you take too many characters, you become vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and I do think my only criticism of it is often, and I'm not sure what other people think, but you know when you sometimes you draw it and you feel like some, I mean, sometimes you just can't score it at all because your opponent yeah. has just got their characters protected. Um, and then other times you'll kill like three characters in a turn and you, you only score five points. Yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like it should be closer to bring it down. Um, in that it maybe you score, you know, three points or four points per character, but it can go, it can go higher. Um, you know, you can, you can do more than just one. So rather than, for example, the way I would balance it is just not give the additional point in tactical. So in tactical, you score five points to kill a character. I would just leave it at four points for killing a character, but you could score it up to eight, for example, if you kill two characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that could be interesting or even four for one character and then two for the second to go to six um, just to allow for people that want to go and try to kill more characters. If that's the time you want to score that card when you draw Assassinate, same with Bring It Down. Bring It Down facilitates that additional scoring and I think that could be woven into this card for tactical. I think so as well. I I totally, totally entirely agree. Um, But how do you feel about this as a fixed option? For me, most of the time... um, I refuse to take this as a fixed option because I always just feel like it's a trap. Unless people are playing, you know, a lot of big stompy knights, um, you know, that, that you know, big Questorus knights that kind of are all characters. Uh, there isn't a lot of the time where I can pick this uh, as a fixed option with confidence. Uh, with confidence that my opponent can't mess with me or deny me the points. It is a lot better now. Like, you know, you can, uh, funnily enough, like if you if you have an army that's good at killing wraiths and someone brings 18 wraiths, that means you've got three characters to kill because, you know, they're attached to the units now. You can't just keep them, or, you know, can't keep six of them in a venom on the back of the board like we used to be able to. Uh, but do you feel like it's a, it's a trap in fixed or do you feel like it's open open for play and should be used as much as possible? Well, I think it's, yeah, it depends on the, on the game and the players. And I think that's what makes it an interesting fixed secondary. Because it's always going to be interactive and there's always that option that if you pick it, that player with the rates can play really defensively. And he, and when you yeah. thought they had to rush those rates at you, they just go, no, nah, I'm just going to defend and outscore you on secondaries, you know? And it's really interesting that it facilitates that level of um, adaptability. So I like that it's an interesting secondary in a fixed mode. It's good that it's in the game because it means if you just take too many characters, you can be punished. But it also yeah. has counterplay, like what you said. So I think I don't think it needs to be changed in the fixed uh, form. But I do think the tactical form is a little bit, a yeah. little bit like just granular. Like sorry, not granular. Yeah. The opposite granular. It's just binary. It's either binary. you either score it or you don't. Mm-hmm. You either kill four characters and get five points, <laughs> yeah. or can't kill a character get zero. Yeah. I feel like it could be a little bit more, yeah, granular. I agree. 
Um, Storm Hostile Objective is our second last. Um, at the end of the turn, if either of the below conditions are satisfied, this secondary mission is, is achieved, and you score four victory points if you're using fixed or five if you're using tactical. If you control one or more objective markers that were controlled by that was controlled by your opponent at the start of your turn, uh, your opponent did not control any objective markers at the start of your turn, and you control one or more objective markers that you did not control at the start of your turn. <laughs> the secondary mission cannot be achieved during the first battle round. If you randomly drew the secondary mission card during the first battle round, you can draw another card. Uh, this is an interesting one, and the one that I think is very necessary to the game. So this, is, this all rolls around you know, taking objectives off your opponent, ones that they had. Or I've, I've never had the second, the second dot point achieved. I don't know if you have, mate. No, I haven't. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder why they why they bothered. But uh, yeah, I've never had that second dot point achieved. Is this a good secondary? Otherwise, well, I mean, it was in the game last edition with Space Marine secondary that had just essentially the secondary um, mm. when they had to take objectives. What was it called for Space Marines? It was um, uh, I've forgotten now. I think it was Storm a Storm of Battle or something. But yeah, I, th- I thought I had Storm in. Yeah, it yeah, but it, they, they basically had the same secondary, and it was good then. Um, and I think yeah. it is still good now. Um, and when you draw it, you often it's achievable. You just deny an objective, which is something you already want to do. Um, yeah. So it's it's playing into the the way the primary is already ebbing and flowing. Um, and then you get a free cycle if you do score it turn one. Um, if you draw it turn one, so it is good in the tactical deck. Um, when you draw it, you're pretty happy normally. However, yeah. it is cool to counterplay against it. What a lot of people do, and I've often seen this in high level play, is people denying objectives by equaling the OC. So if you've yeah. got, say, six yeah. OC on an objective, you just place six of your own OC on so that you actually never control the objective. So if your opponent scores this, it's harder to get. Um, yeah, that's, so I like yeah, that, that it's got that counterplay. That is the level of play that I adore about the secondary deck and that, that it has inspired. It was Shock Tactics, by the way. I literally opened up the, the, the ninth edition space for one. Shock Tactics. Uh, three points at the end of the battle round if you control modern objective markers are controlled by your opponent. Uh, That's hilarious. That's the first time I've opened up, up, up that in, you know, a year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good secondary. How do you feel about this as a fix? Yeah, it's good. I, it's interesting as a fix because it's, it's, it's really... Um, goes to show the, how the level of play is rising because this was a really good secondary last edition. Yeah, and correct. when you people, you know, space marine players would often pick this, it was people were pretty like, like you know, um, salty because they were like, oh, this is so easy. You just play the game. You just all you're doing is playing correct. the game and you're scoring yeah. secondaries. Whereas not much has changed, um, and it's not very good. Like I don't like, see it being picked around. Like, is it three points or four points when you score it in fixed? Uh, Things four points, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's essentially the same as what it was. Um, yet it's not really seen. It's not really seen often, primarily because I think people have just gotten better at knowing how to deny this. Correct. I to- totally. Um, agree. If you pick his secondary, yeah, your opponent's just going to sandbag one objective, um, make it really hard for you to score, and then the other one in no man's land. They'll deny on equal OC with you. They'll just go, okay, you have two OC, I'm going to put two OC. You have four OC, I'm going to put four OC. And they're not going to let you score it. And it's so interesting that it's even within this year or so, and I'm sure there's more complicated reasons to why it's not being picked as a fixed, but um, it would, you know, it seems like players have just kind of outgrown this type of thing and it's, it's not very good in fixed. So, yeah. yeah, I, I, I love the way you unpack that. I think it perfect, perfectly encapsulates the, 
the way the game is is growing and evolving. And 100%, I've never picked this. I've never picked this one. I've never picked Assassinate. I think I've tried out most of the rest of the, the fixed objective options. Uh, but yeah, those Assassinate and Storm Hostile, never done it for exactly your reason. Uh, too, much, too much control that your opponent has. And people have learned, you know, uh, it's amazing. Last one, because uh, we're not doing the gambits because I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> behind enemy lines. Uh, at the end of your turn, if two or more units from your army, excluding a craft, are wholly within your opponent's deployment zone, uh, the secondary mission is achieved and you score four victory points or five if using tactical. If at the end of your turn, only one unit from your army, excluding aircraft, is wholly within your opponent's deployment zone, it is scored, uh, it's still achieved, but you get three victory points instead of four or five if you are using tactical. Uh, this is good. Behind enemy lines has been something that's always in the game. This one is, is another one that you pointed out as as an issue for fixed because you know a biovore can be shot into the enemy deployment zone for deploy teleport homers for four points and um, what uh, three victory points for yeah. one yeah yeah and three victory points yeah um, on 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 fixed it's it's kind of nuts that one twenty five mil base will generate then you know seven points of secondaries. Um, being shot at from your, the other deployment zone. So definitely this is a problem one, but I don't see it as bad as de, uh, deployed teleport homers. I think if you fixed deployed teleport homers, a lot of the behind enemy yeah. lines issues would go. And it's pretty much just the Bible that makes me feel like this is a this is a major problem. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's uh, it's very achievable and it rewards specific types of interaction. Um, and it's also asking you to do something you normally don't want to do or you aren't normally planning to do. Like, obviously, sometimes you want to go and try and deny your opponent's home objective, but it's not something that's necessarily woven into your turns one, two, three plans. So it's asking you to do something a little bit out of the box, which sometimes you can do with uh, throwing a unit forward to do it. So I kind of like that. Um, and I think yep. the, in, in a tactical context, it's a really interesting and difficult but rewarding card. But I do think that, the fixed option is a bit, as we've spoken about and you mentioned, a little bit problematic in how it combos with other similar fixed yeah. missions in a way that you're allowing one unit to score two things. I think that's the problem, and I'm not sure how to fix it, but I do think there's a problem when one unit can do behind enemy lines and homers and, you know, um, or behind enemy lines and engage. I think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and that's that's the root of a lot of the criticisms that we have about the secondaries. That some of like the easy ones are just real easy, and the rest is like medium to hard or doing certain things that you you don't want to normally do and having to make tough choices. And then there's just free points. There's just points on the table, and if you're building an army or having a faction that just gets those points for doing absolutely nothing, and that really feels like there's quite a bit of a disparity. Um, like you said, Custodius is a great one to point out that, you know, they have so few units that a lot of the time they'll pull cards that have them doing things that don't require, that don't result in them, you know, taking and holding primary. Uh, it's a real toss up whether they're worth, whether the secondary deck that they, that they pull or is worth doing. So that some of the times they're better off just taking a one solid fixed objective, one very iffy fixed objective, and that's better than just seeing what they get off the top of the deck. Yeah, that's all. And, you know, it's also kind of does encourage a diverse army so for custodies armies of, of often you'll see them incorporate some quicker units yes um like some you know assassin for example or some some of the cheaper mounted um sisters of silence in rhinos it is cool to see that but i agree a lot of it's because some of these secondaries are a little bit punishing yeah yeah, I agree. Uh, overall, um, how much do you, you know, we're just we're just into the wrap up stage. Um, overall, how much do you like this secondary deck, and how well structured do you think this system is? 
I do overall, I do like it. Um, and I think the cards themselves are interesting. I think there is room for some additional ones. I do think yep. they could add a couple of cards that, that kind of in the, in the vein of some of the cards we've spoken about, like tempting target, like investigate signals are a little bit different and encourage slight, slightly divergent kind of actions. I think that would yep. be cool. Um, however, I do feel like it's a pretty interesting um, array of cards and, it, having settled into the edition now, I think um, it definitely allows for a dynamic and game that you can still play into. You can still build your list to be able to score these cards. So you might yeah. make sure you have some quick units in your army that can jump out and get tempting target on turn one, for example. Yeah. However, I do feel like there, and, and this is something we can kind of, and I'm keen to hear your opinion on this as well. I think there's probably a, a little bit more to the mechanic of the way cards cycle. Um, I think that's really interesting how you can, you know, discard a card for a CP or you can, you know, you've got your um, new orders for one CP you can do once per game. I think there's probably a little bit more we could do with that. So the cards yep. themselves could be balanced, but I think we could also balance the way that we use the cards as well. That could, that could help to make it a little bit more interesting as well. Yeah, I do agree with that call. I think uh, unpacking, and maybe we'll do this in part two, unpacking, you know, how we cycle, how we score, how we, you know, turn uh, cards into CP, uh, for example, can can possibly be revamped, tweaked, or, you know, uh, rewritten. Uh, but and, and yeah, I definitely want to see some change to the secondary mission deck if, if we do get a new um, GT pack. Having some of these cycle out completely, you know, possibly come back in the future, having some rewritten, changed. And most of all, I just want anything that's, non, that's truly non-interactive um, not be a fixed secondary option. I, I love it to be the stuff like Bring It Down, stuff like Assassinate, stuff like uh, Storm Hostile. You know, things that require you to interact with your opponent um, should be the stuff, you know, that is the fixed, object, the fixed objectives. Um, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Really appreciate uh, your time and your expertise. I know neither of us got to go to Uprising, <laughs> so this is why we're kind of doing this episode. This is kind of me and Jesse yeah. hang out, talk some smack. Um, and, uh, you know, record an episode uh, while we're doing so. So thank you very much, mate. Thanks so um, much for having me, mate. It's always a pleasure. Uh, it is always a pleasure. Good luck to you uh, in your endeavors. I'll see you at Masquerade. We'll be throwing some dice, and you'll be walking around being your, your joyful self, and uh, I can't freaking <laughs> wait. But we'll see you guys on part two. Join us over there, Art of War Down Under, over on Patreon. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.